Praise God. Good to see everybody today. If you're new today, I am the Mrs. Pastor. You'll have to come back to hear the pastor um, preach. So I had a word on my heart a few about a month ago, and we planned this out. And you'll see as the message goes on for something new um, in our lives. And I have no doubt that you are here for a reason. We don't believe in coincidence. We believe that God orders our steps. So whether you're online with us or you're here in person, that I pray that this word does something rich inside of your lives. So today we're going to look at the bigger picture or maybe you would say a different perspective that you might ever have thought about with something new. Because when I think of something new, I think that puts a smile on my face. I think a new car smell, that puts a smile on my face. Or if I think a new pair of shoes, or I think a new vacation spot, or a new home. I mean, how could all of that not put a smile on your face? And of course, you know with me, two new grandbabies. I mean, that just makes you smile. All of that is good stuff. But a few years ago, we put a scripture on our Christmas card, Isaiah 43, 19, that says, for I am about to do something new. Well, the rest of that scripture, if you go on to read it, says, see, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in dry wasteland. Well, when we put that on the Christmas card, we did not mean for it to be prophetic. We did not know that at the time that something new meant losing our worship and youth pastor and requiring our complete heart to be on board with something new. So that something new didn't put a smile on our face until down the line a little bit. So you see, sometimes maybe more often than not, we see that something new might have you instead of... Uh, put a fist pump in the air, like, yeah, that's good stuff. It makes you take a step back and go, hmm, I'm not sure about that something new. So fist pump in the air, you know what that is. Like when you all gave us a Disney cruise last year that we probably can't use for two years, I don't know, like at this point. But that was a fist pump in the air. That was like, that's going to be a good something new whenever we get to experience that. But when you have something new that requires you to do life totally different, or requires you to get out of your comfort zone, or um, to challenge you or stress you, that's when you kind of turn your head to the side and go, "Mm, I'm not sure about that, God. So speaking of a step back or a head maybe tilted to the side a little bit, more like a face plant would be what we're going to talk about today in Acts chapter 9 about God doing something new Um, in Saul's life. A very um, familiar passage, I know, to many, but I never want to take that for granted, so I want to give some background knowledge because this is a familiar passage, Um, but this is about a man, a very educated man named Saul who hated Christians, so much so that he hunted them down and killed them until one day God intervened for his something new. And it was more than salvation, but definitely that was the beginning point, but something new and many more new things to come in their lives. So we're going to start by reading in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation and the rest arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. So we see um, 
that he uses some sneaky ways to find the names of the believers, and we see that it says that he asked for their cooperation. I think we all know what that means. So um, he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains, and so he goes on his journey, and it says, as he was approaching Damascus, the mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice. So he had his face plant in the moment, something new. And the voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Two things that I love about this. Number one, that he knows us by name. And number two, he already knew the answer. God already knew the answer when he asked that. But he asked us questions in our lives, not for himself, but for you. So he already knew the answer. But he said, why are you persecuting me? And then he says, who are you, Lord? And Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. So he's like, you know who I am, Saul. You know exactly who I am. Now get up and go in the city, and you will be told what you must do. So the men with Saul stood speechless. So right now, side note, so God is also doing something new in these two witnesses that are watching all this happen. For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. So at the same time, a lot of times when God's doing something new in you, he simultaneously is doing something new in many more people involved with you because God is that big. So he was doing something, something new in someone else, a believer far away named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias because he knows us by name. And Ananias said, yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas And when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Don't you know? He was like, yeah, I know who that is. That's what he was thinking. (laughs) And he is praying to me right now. And I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Like the Lord didn't already know that. But this just shows the good relationship that they have, that we can have dialogue with the Lord on this. And the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings. So he's saying, I want to take the message to Gentiles who've not heard this message to very important leadership, to kings and as well as the people of Israel. And I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So he's revealing all of this plan to him. So Ananias went, and he found Saul, and he laid his hands on him, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly... Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. And then he got up and was baptized. And afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. So what followed from that? Well, he immediately began preaching. People were amazed at his transformation. 
And his preaching became more and more powerful is what the word says. So that right there, that's good stuff. That's like the fist pump in the air stuff. You're like, yeah, that's put a smile on my face, something new. But then he made a lot of people mad with his message, so, so much so that they wanted to kill him and tried several times. And he had many moments that followed in his story that he suffered, which God said he would. Those are not fist pump moments, but it was something new. And it was something that God wanted. Because I want you to know right now, there's nothing that happens in our life that doesn't happen without God's permission. Even the hard stuff. God allows it to happen. So he must have a reason behind it. He, he must know that he can trust you with whatever it is. Whatever the outcome is. He must know that. So through this story, what can we learn about something new from God in here. The first thing, and most importantly, the number one purpose will always be that God will be glorified. If you're here any amount of time in our ministry, you know that that is like the foundation that we teach people in prayer, like that the number one reason for prayer is not that we get what we want, but that when we are praying that word, it's about that scripture through someone's life or through some through someone's situation, that God is going to be glorified. If it's any other reason why you're praying, it's a self-motive. So just like this, something new in your life, the number one purpose why God does it is so that he can be glorified. I can back this up with Scripture in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's why you were created which God prepared beforehand. So if you're in that scripture in Ephesians 2.10, I'd like you to underline that because that's very important, that he prepared beforehand. And then that we should walk in them. So he already has everything of your something new prepared beforehand. And he wants you to walk in it. So we know that we are saved by grace, not by works, but works is part of the process. And two things that we can see from good works is one, it's there to show our love and appreciation to God, that it just naturally flows from the belly of our soul on out to express that through good works. And the second thing about good works is it's an opportunity to influence others for Christ so that he can receive glory. So that's the one thing from this story that we can learn. First of all, through it is that God receives glory. But the second thing is that we see something new that sometimes God, well, not sometimes, all, most of the time, that something new in your life, it will require three things. Hearing his voice, surrendering, and obedience. Now, a common question I hear often, and I've even asked myself this question, even recently when I've made some changes, is that it's that struggle that people say, how do I know if I'm hearing from God or if it's me, if it's myself? And all I know to do is the answer is to go to scripture to give you God's word. So how do you know? Because John 10 says that he is our shepherd and he knows his sheep and they know him. And it says the sheep will listen to his voice. So that's how you will know. You will know that it's, um, if it's his voice speaking or if it's yours. Um, so whether you're saved or not saved, whether you believe or don't believe, all mankind was created in Christ Jesus. You have a free will, but all mankind was created in Christ Jesus. So we were all created 
to hear his voice. We were, we were all created with the capacity of inside of us to be filled with Christ. But it's people's free will to fill that with what they want. So Saul, a perfect example, he had the free will to fill his life with unbelief. So he was a persecutor and he was an unbeliever. So how did that work for him on something new? How did he hear his voice? Well, here's the deal. We know that God obviously got his attention in a powerful way with a loud voice and with a bright light. Because here's the deal. God has the authority at any time, any moment, any situation to step in and take over. So he has. So he gives people a free will, but he has the authority that if he decides to say, I'm going to step in now, enough is enough, then he's going to make sure you hear his voice, believer or not believer. Why? Because you were created in Christ Jesus. So this is what he had to do with Saul. So wouldn't it be better to not have to be put in a situation where you were blinded for three days to hear his voice? So at this point, that's how he got his attention. And I love how in this verse that he lets him know immediately, I know you by name, because he said it twice. Saul, Saul. And I also love that he decided to have a little conversation with him, with the two witnesses um, here, um, hearing it all. So he was asking questions, like I said, that he already knew. So when he said, why are you doing this? So you can imagine, he's like, I already know the answer to this, but I want you to know the answer because I know you know the answer. And, the, and I can imagine the Holy Spirit like he does for me when I'm in my prayer time and I feel like he's um, talking with me, that you can imagine the Holy Spirit saying, listen, your beef is not with these people you're killing. Your beef is with me. You know why you're doing this. And then when he says Saul wanted to know who he was, and don't you know the Lord was like, you know exactly who I am. Because remember, he was an educated man. Like he knew of all of um, this. So at this moment, hearing his voice for him, for the unbeliever, took a moment where God had to intervene. But for Ananias, that was a different story because Ananias was a believer. So in Ananias, hearing God's voice for something new, it was in a vision. And this happens because time spent in prayer, God knowing Ananias' heart and that he could trust him with it. And I love about this in hearing his voice is, um, I love, number one, that he called him by name again, but number two, that he was able, he put himself in a place to respond to it. Because so many times I tell people that's the importance of your personal relationship with Christ, is that you have intentionally put yourself in that for there to be that fluid conversation, and that's what was going on here. But the second thing, and the kind of the tough part here, this is the application part that's a little bit harder. Maybe not so much hearing his voice. Maybe that is hard for you. But the surrender part, that's a difficult one. So for Saul, that required blindness. And so much can be preached in that word alone. I could preach a whole message about that, about blindness um, because what it takes there, it took the humility it took for him, the trust, the slowing down, even stopping and giving complete permission of what's going on here over. That's a big deal. For Saul, it was three days. That's what God required. He's like, I require three days of you shutting down and being completely blind. So that's, that's happened in surrender there. 
We know that that's not always the case for everyone. We know the children of Israel. We know that they kind of walked blind around for 40 years. So everyone's situation's different. So wouldn't it be easier to hear his voice and surrender willfully rather than have to wander for 40 years? But God's heart, ultimately, no matter what the timeline is, God's heart is about transformation. That's what he wants. However that he chooses to get that done. He can be trusted He knows what is required. Remember, he prepared the works beforehand. So a great scripture of hope and possible encouragement for some of you today, maybe during a blind, blinded surrender, would be Isaiah 42, 16, that says, I will lead blind Israel down a new path, guiding them along an unfamiliar way. I will brighten the darkness before them and smooth out the road ahead of them. Yes, I will indeed do these things. I will not forsake them. And this is not taking Scripture out of context because this is actually Isaiah foreseeing what it is to be for the Gentiles. And guess what? That's you. That's a Gentile. So as if I could have a teaching moment here that a lot of times when we're teaching people how to pray and we say, pray the Scripture, the Scripture doesn't return void. So for this Scripture, for your life, you would get Isaiah 42, 16 out, open up your Scripture. I, I like to, on the sidebar, like write prayer because then you could just get to those Scriptures real quick that you're praying out loud. And this is a Scripture that you would pray over your life, whoever's in front of you, a situation. So let me give you an example. Thank you, Lord, that you will lead... Um, us blind, that we're blind down a new path, that you're guiding us along an unfamiliar way. Thank you, Lord, that you'll brighten the darkness before us and you'll smooth out the road ahead of us. Yes, you will indeed do these things. You will not forsake us. I declare your word over my life. I declare your word over blank. That's, that's praying the word. That's how we teach people how um, to pray. So in this surrender, but for Ananias, a believer, Maybe that's a lot of you for believers, the surrender, even though it doesn't surrender, no matter if you're a believer or unbeliever, it definitely requires relinquishing your rights, giving permission, having humility. So, for, But for Ananias, his surrender looked a little bit different because his surrender involves some questioning. And that's okay. That's healthy because it shows the relationship that he had with Christ, with the Lord, the room for open, honest dialogue by God. This was... For him, Ananias, it was a step back moment, not a fist pump in the air moment. It was like, what? Like, but God, I heard. Does you know, like, I hear things. And God's like, I know you hear things. And then he said, this is what this guy's done. And God's like, you don't got to tell me. I know what he's done. I mean, so it's like this conversation he's not afraid to have with God. And the Lord doesn't already... Um, that doesn't throw him off guard and it doesn't offend him because it shows the healthy relationship, the freedom to express thoughts. But sometimes um, when that relationship is so deep and um, natural that he doesn't have to, but the Lord explains during this conversation, well, let's call it prayer time, he explains why I want you to do this. And this is what he says in verse 15 and 16. He reveals the answer. He's almost like gracious, like, I see your concerns, but let me go ahead and tell you the bigger picture here. And so he's saying, Ananias, Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings and as well as to the people of Israel. So he's like, Ananias, I got a plan for this guy. It's time for me to step in. I need to use him. He's the guy that's going to reach a lot of people, and I need you to go do this. God didn't have to do that. 
but he did. And they, were, they had such a relationship, he could hear that. But then he goes even further and reveals things and says, and I'm going to show him how much he's going to have to suffer for me. So I need you to do this. So at the same time, don't you know that he is um, talking and having this conversation with God that that same thing is being revealed to Saul over here, those three days of blindness. Like he's probably being revealed like you're going to have to suffer a lot for me. A lot of things are going on in those three days. So ultimately something new, though, besides hearing his voice and surrendering, which are both really big. The bottom line is what we teach here is application. He had, they both had to be obedient. They had to take the step forward. And did he? Yes. For Saul, what did he do? After he, he was healed, he got up. It says he got up and he did what was asked of him. And, and he didn't have to do that. I mean, he had the free will, but he got up and he did that knowing that there was going to be difficult days ahead. He got up knowing that there was going to be much suffering and much expected from him. I mean, he was going to have to go in with a room of believers, and he probably killed their grandma or their family member or their neighbor. I mean, he was the persecutor of Christians, and he had to go in now and be part of these people. That had to be difficult. And then um, on top of that, um, the threats on his life and the constantly being in turmoil. I mean, he had to agree to that. He had to give permission for that, and he did. Um, and to me, Saul, also known as Paul, and just a side note here, maybe just a little extra um, for you, that it's not a new name that he had from the research that I saw, that that was his name, because in the Scripture it says Saul also known as Paul. So maybe that that was his name like from the beginning. But what happened was when he was a persecutor and an unbeliever in Scripture, and you see that they're calling him Saul, it's because that's his Hebrew name. But Paul is Greek name, and it makes total sense when you start to see the transformation that they start calling him Paul. It's because he was the one to bring the message to the Gentiles. So that makes sense that that's the name that he's going to go by now. So just that's a side note. But to me, Saul is one of the greatest stories of transformation, about passion, about leadership, about boldness and obedience, all wrapped up in one individual who became very influential. All because why? All because he gave God permission to do something new in his life whenever and wherever needed. For Ananias, he's just one of many believers, though, like you and me, probably just average people that, whose obedience was instrumental for the bigger picture. He had, so let's not make it insignificant, like that his role was insignificant. It was very significant because he had to trust, he had to leave comfortable, he had to leave his normal routine, and he had to go, and, um, and he had to do. He had to be a doer. And so it was a very important role, and God chose him because God trusted him. So God chooses you, and he has those works ahead of you because he trusts you. He revealed things. He didn't have to reveal that. He reveals things to you in your prayer time. He doesn't have to do that, but he does because he trusts that you'll do something good with it. And I have no doubt that he blessed, blessed him for that. So my prayer is that we will be sensitive to recognize moments that God is wanting to do something new in our lives. So for me, um, 
There has been little things that were deposited in me, just to give you an example of something new, that I felt God doing something and didn't know what it was. Maybe, maybe I, I didn't, and I didn't really evaluate it until at the end um, of the summer that I, I just knew without a doubt that God was closing the door for me at Quita Public Schools and opening a door somewhere different, and it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to leave... Um, a play in the town that I minister in. It doesn't make sense that I live five minutes from my house. It doesn't make sense that I taught in a brand new building and that I've taught here for quite a while and I had I'd built some favor here. It, that didn't make sense. It didn't make sense that I'm right down the street from my, literally I can see my husband's, you know, office from my um, window and we could have lunch together. None of that made sense. But I knew that I was hearing his voice And it was very uncomfortable for me because I thought it was not a fist pump in the air moment. It was a step back and tilt my head and be like, what? That cannot be. That cannot be. But when you completely relinquish and say, God, and believe me, I had, I was like Ananias, had a lot of questions. You know, I was like, okay, I'm going to be 15 a couple months and I know that a lot is going to be asked to learn new things. And that's really scary. You know, like I could teach my socks off. I can be creative and I can love children. But when you ask me to do a lot of things with technology, I'm like, what? Because that's just, I just don't care about it. (laughs) You know, but it doesn't matter because it's like what God requires, right? It's like what God requires of you. And so it doesn't matter if it's comfortable for you or um, if you feel like a complete idiot and you have to ask a million questions. It doesn't matter because God's like maybe requiring that of you. And so... For me, I had to have that moment of something new. So I'm not preaching something to you that I don't live myself. That was a huge decision for me. So we have to give him permission. We have to let him reveal and redirect how he sees fit. So whether it's a fist pump in the air moment or a step back moment, whatever he requires, we do. Because we're doers of the word. We're believers. That's why they have that title. We're believers. We're not doubters. We trust his voice. We are his sheep. We hear his voice. We are blessed. We are highly favored. We are being guided. Our dark areas will be brightened by his words. We will not be left alone. He, we will be used in this something new to glorify him. But we've got to step out and be obedient. And so my prayer for you all, is that I tell you right now, this isn't about, does this message, um, is it relatable to you or not? It's relatable to everybody. Because God will have something new in your life until the day you take your last breath. And so it's up to you what you're going to do with it. Are you going to be people that position yourself in a place that you hear his voice and most importantly that you surrender to that and then you apply that and that you're going to be people of obedience? Or are we going to be people that are comfortable? And um, I will say in the season that we are in right now, we've got to be very careful because we have been isolated for so long that we've got very comfortable in routines. And let's not forget that this is not going to last forever and God is going to want us to step out and, and be used. So in your life, it's not like God always wants you to be uncomfortable. <laughs> But he might require that of you. He might require whether you're 50 
or you're a hundred or, you know, you're seven, that he requires you to always say, God, whatever you want, I want. Whatever it takes, whether I like it or not. Because I trust you. I trust that you have the bigger picture in mind. And I just want to be a doer of your word. I don't want to be a Christian that goes and reads it and sits in a pew and amen, hallelujah, and listen to the songs and feel good about myself. I want to be a doer of the word. So I pray that over you. So allow me to let this message, allow me to pray that this settles in your hearts. Lord, thank you so much for all the people here today, whether in person or online. Uh, I believe that you ordered their steps. I know that you um, have a plan for each one of these. And I know that you have stuff prepared beforehand for everyone here. And so my prayer is this. First of all, I pray for salvation. That today, as we will give opportunity for that, but I pray that right now that you'll do something in the hearts of people that don't know you, that don't have a personal relationship, because that's number one. Like, God needed to do that in Saul. He needed to take care of that first. So salvation is number one. But then I, I pray, this is what I pray, for our people to be discipled people, that they will be people that are in your word, that have that relationship with you, that they can have dialogue in their prayer time and can be reading the word and be still and listening to you speak to them and um, revealing things. That's what I pray over our people. I pray that our people will be faithful to your word that will be faithful to the things of church, that will be faithful in sharing the message of the gospel, will be faithful to let you be glorified in their life in all things. I, I pray that over them. And then I pray that our people will be obedient and be doers of the word, that, that we will be people that apply things. And um, I thank you for your grace and your mercy that covers all of them and that you see the bigger picture in mind. And I know today that you're smiling down um, on your people, because we are people that have hungry hearts, hungry hearts for you, and um, we want our heart to align with your heart. So we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.